word? Amen.
must know that our God is wonderful. If God is wonderful to you and to your family, I'm asking you to stand with me. We serve an awesome God. Amen? He is a wonderful God. If it were not for God, where, where would you be right now? If God didn't step into your life and made a difference, where would you be? We serve an awesome God. I thank the youth choir for the song. God is so powerful. He is so mighty. He is the great deliverer. He is our friend. And as we come to worship him now, the Bible tells us that we should worship him in truth. Amen? We should worship him in spirit. We should just allow the Holy Spirit to take control. And everyone, I don't want you to be bashful. If the Lord has touched you somehow, some way, this week, just raise your hand. Praise the Lord. Our God is an awesome God. Yes, he is. Amen? And as we prepare ourselves for the word of God, it is my prayer that the Lord will touch us, that we will never be the same again. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we are your people, and this is your word. I pray that you will connect your word with your people, and that your people will claim the promise, and with conviction we shall go forth, as servants of the King. We pray, Father, that you will bless and anoint each and every one of us. Any brokenhearted, mend it now, Lord. Any sorrow, I pray, Father, that you will touch that heart that is mourning, that is sorrowful. Help us to know that we serve an awesome God. And Lord, we just ask that you will come here now and bless us. Bless the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. Let it be acceptable, Lord, in thy sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Amen. Praise the Lord. We have uh, spent the last couple of days marching through the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, and we are in the book of Revelation chapter 12. And this title is The Beast, the Dragon, and the Woman of Revelation. What is the beast? Who is the beast? Who is the dragon? And who is the woman? In the book of Revelation, we see all of these mystical, scary creatures and some of us we have been having nightmares over these creatures but I want you to know we don't have to have any nightmares because in the midst of all this confusion as we see in the book of Revelation there is one the true one the savior of the world uh, in some versions in some portions of the Bible we see him as Michael battling and fighting we see him as the Emmanuel, God with us. We see him as the Shiloh in Genesis chapter 49. We see him as the Messiah. We see him in every single occasion and every time we see him, he is always victorious. Amen? 
And I want you to understand that God will always have victories. It may not seem that you're having victory with God, but when you stick with him, guaranteed, you will be victorious. Amen? When we are faithful to God, I am telling you, he is going to show up in more ways than you could ever imagine or think. When we are faithful to God, and so God is a powerful, he is a magnificent God, amen? amen? And so we are looking at the beast, the dragon, and the woman. But I want to ask you a few questions before, um, as, uh, just to see, check up on your, to see if you have been doing your homework, studying your word. The Bible tells us, or ask the, we ask this question, salvation is a free gift God grants us. Is that true? Is it a free gift? It isn't, isn't it based on the amount of tithe that you pay? No. Come on. You sure about that? Yes. It's not the amount of offerings that you... No. Is it not the amount of time you work in the church? No. You mean you don't have to crawl on your hands and knees around the church? No. Or up the steps of the church? No. Well, we don't have any steps, right? But... So it's free. All right, I think you are correct. Salvation, it is a free gift. Now, the next question I want to ask you is, our salvation is dependent upon our good deeds uh, weighing out our bad deeds. Is it that? No, it's not on a scale? No? All right, well, you got it right then. Now, the other one I want to ask you, we know that our sins are forgiven if we feel good after confessing. Isn't that right? Isn't it a feeling? Come on, everyone. I've, I've spoken to many of you. You came to me and said, Pastor, I don't feel good, right? Isn't it a feeling? It's not a feeling? So are you saying that salvation is a fact? Salvation is a fact of what Christ has done for us. Yes. Praise, praise the Lord. So it's even if you feel bad right now sitting in church, that salvation can be granted to you? Yes. Well, praise God. You are, you're teaching me well. Praise God. Amen. All right. Well, when Jesus died on the cross, he took up on himself the sins of the right of all the righteous from his death forward. Is that right? You see what it says, right? When Jesus died on the cross, he took up on himself the sins of all the righteous from his death forward. Pardon me? Uh, so he took up the, even the sins of the unrighteous? Wow. So if there's anyone in this place feeling that you are in the position of unrighteousness, you feel icky inside, you know you have done wrong, you mean that Christ is able to cover your sin as well? Man, I tell you, we serve an awesome God. Amen? If, if he doesn't just care for the righteous, but also the unrighteous, wow, praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, my last question now. Is it true or false? Repentance is something that we have to work hard to obtain. Yes. 
Don't you have to work hard? No. You mean you don't have to come to church every Sabbath? No. So if you miss a few tithe payments, or, <laughs> or if you slipped a uh, tongue and you say, you know, a nasty thing to your wife or your children or to your employee or employer, it's all right? Huh? Is it, ma'am? And, and it, when you think of it, you have to work hard on it, don't you? Yes. You have to work hard. Yes. Come on, repentance. It, it's something hard. No. <laughs> no, repent. I like one, one person, what we usually say, usually say for repentance. Repentance is, is, is a U-turn, right? If you are heading in the wrong direction and you realize that, hey, you know, you turn around, that's an illustration of repentance. But I recently heard another illustration of repentance. Repentance in, in, the, in actually the Greek is, is not a U-turn, but it is a flip. So your life was headed in a wrong direction, right? It is you have resolved to flip. So in a sense, there is... If you turn around once, you may be ter able, tempted to turn around again, right? But when you flip, well, it's kind of hard to flip over again, right? And so the idea of it, repentance is something that we have to work hard to obtain. It's, it, is, it is so easy. Christ has done the work for us, amen? All we have to do is claim it in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. We serve an awesome God. And as we look at uh, today's uh, topic, the beast, the dragon, and the woman of Revelation, we see in this book, Revelation chapter 12, and we're going to start right away. We have a lot of things, material to cover. In Revelation chapter 12, it says, And there appeared a great what? wonder in heaven a woman clothed with what the sun and the moon was where under her feet and up on her head was a crown of what 12 stars right and so we see there's something taking place here this woman uh, she is standing on the moon she is clothed with the sun and on her head a crown of 12 stars. What is all of this saying to us? It says, and she now, being with child, she cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. And we see this woman, this woman that represents purity, this woman that represents the church, the pure church. And when we talk about um, in, in prophecy, we understand a woman in prophecy represents the church. And this woman right now, she is, she, is, she is clothed with the sun, she's standing on the moon, and she has this crown of 12 stars upon her head. The very same 12 stars 
that uh, she is standing on these apostles, these disciples, these, these um, ancients of old. She's standing, as it were, on all of the, the traditions um, as God has brought the church through each age. This woman is standing. And we see here this woman, a beautiful, pure woman. She is standing, but there is something that is coming against her. In verse 3, it says, And there appeared another wonder in heaven. First, the wonder of the woman, but there's another wonder in heaven. And behold, a great, a great red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and having seven crowns upon his heads. We see this dragon. He is a serious looking creature. And we study on dragons and so forth. And, you know, in um, Job, it, we see this mystical creature like a Larvarathon. It's a sea creature. The dragon is some kind of a alligator-like but super-sized alligator-sized thing that walks around that breathes fire. But we see this now in the book of Revelation. This dragon has seven heads. Right? That means there is some kind of evil perfection to this dragon. Right? We're going to see this, uh, what this dragon is all about. And uh, we see here in verse 4 his tail, the tail of the dragon, drew how much? A third of the stars from heaven and did cast them where? To the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to deliver for to devour her child as soon as it was born. It's very interesting as we look at scripture, we see Revelation again casting a thesis saying, let me tell you a story. And so we see this woman, we see this dragon, and we see this child, and we see all of the things around this. What is the meaning of this? It is clear that the dragon is none other than who? The devil himself, Satan himself. It is very clear that the woman is that pure church. And it is clear that the child represents who? He represents the Emmanuel. He represents Christ. And so we see that there is a, 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 a tension here. Uh, we understand in the book of Luke and also in the book of Matthew, when, when, when Jesus was born, uh, we understand that Satan, he stirred up the, the earthly monarchs he, to, to take the life of Jesus. And so Jesus had, the, the, the father of Jesus, they had to flee to Egypt to secure the life of Jesus. And so we're seeing something here. Revelation now is opening up and is reaching back and showing us certain things that happened in history, but it's trying to contextualize and show us exactly where we are going. And so Revelation goes back at times and shows us a glimpse of what happened before. But here, John is seeing all of these things. And remember, John was privy 
to the life of Jesus when he was on earth as a prophet. He was privy with the prophecies here to see Jesus as priest. And he was also privy to see Jesus coming as king in the latter days. And so we go on and we see this very dragon. He pulls down stars from heaven and he's creating havoc. He is fighting against this woman. He is trying to wipe out her seed. Remember that great battle that was told off in the book of Genesis chapter 3 that the dragon, this serpent, he is going to be fighting with the seed of the woman. And it's, it told us that the head of the serpent will be what? It's going to be bruised, right? And, um, and the heel the heel of the heel of the, the woman, the heel of the seed is going to be bruised and the head is going to be crushed. And so we see certain things taking place here and Revelation is bringing all of this in full focus. Now, let me take a pause here. I know that there may be individuals in the house of God today. You came and you're saying, well, uh, this pastor, you know, he is speaking about some dungeon and dragon myth. A certain, I've, I've seen a movie on this, and I know how it's going to end, right? Uh, and I know that this is just some fairy tale. It's not real. And, and so I could, you know, just tune out because it's not real. He's trying to scare me and tell me that this is real. Right, and that this is, you know, it's, it's a real thing, and, and uh, there is really a, uh, a dragon, and this, this battle uh, that we're seeing took place. I want you to know um, it is true. Uh, you may think that this is a fairy tale, but this is 100% true. What we're seeing here is the Bible is actually taking these various images and fusing it and helping to teach a lesson. This is a prophetic lesson, but this is in reality what is happening, that there is a literal battle that is being fought on earth today. And as, as we go on, we're going to be touching on some of the key examples for you to see how these battles are being fought and in what plane they're being fought on. And so we see here in verse 5, And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God, unto his throne. Remember Jesus Christ? He worked in, on this earth as a, as a prophet, and eventually he died, was crucified, then he was caught up, and he is now on the throne with God, as we studied in Revelation chapter 3 earlier and the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God and they should feed her for how long 2000 for a thousand sorry 200 and three score day a thousand 260 days this represent the period that we studied just last night this represent in the dark days the dark um, um, days that started from uh, 538 and ended in 1798. This very period, a period of great darkness in Christianity, a period when many, many 
thousands of people were persecuted. This represented a period when the church was on the run and the false church was, was presenting its falsehood right across the earth and God's true church was forced in the wilderness. One of the, first, the things that we realize from this, it does not matter whatever Satan tried to do to stamp out the truth, it was impossible. The truth always maintained strong as ever. Amen? And so we see it is almost like a fire. The fire he thought was, was out, but that fire came back and, and, and came forth and blazed across the world as we know as the truth. And so we see now this woman, she was in the wilderness. She uh, was in a place prepared for God. And uh, she was in that period for uh, 1,260 days. And we see the dragon, he tried to take out Jesus when he was born. We see later on, when he thought that Jesus, uh, he thought that he had Jesus on the cross. He thought that that was it. You know, I've got him. Uh, I tried to kill him in Matthew chapter 4 by tempting him with turning bread, uh, stone into bread. Uh, I tried to tempt him by telling him if he could cast himself down from the temple, you know, his angels will come and bear thee up. But Jesus, every single time when Satan tempted him, Jesus responded in Matthew chapter 4, it is written, it is written, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so if it is in the word, it deserves to be heard. Amen. We got to hold on to the word of God. It is the only thing that will keep us true in these last days. The word of God which reveals to us who Jesus was. And so we see that Satan thought that he just wiped out Jesus. Now he is dead. There is no way he is coming back. But you remember what happened on that decisive Sunday morning. You know, Friday morning, Friday afternoon, 3 o'clock, Jesus Christ died, gave up the ghost, breathed his last breath. They took his limp body down from the cross. And Satan and all his evil hosts, they were applauding and they were jigging and they were happy. They were praising Satan, not the Lord. They were praising Satan and they were so happy. Because they finally got him. They were trying to wipe out Jesus all through his life. All through these 30 years that he lived on earth. They were trying to wipe him out. But finally they got him. And he was now crucified. And he is dead. They took his body down Friday, 3 o'clock. They quickly had to bury him. He died Friday 3 o'clock and shortly after they took his body down according to Luke chapter 23. And they, they quickly brought him in to a tomb. Uh, Joseph of Arimathea. And they brought him to that tomb and, and they buried him. And he spent the Sabbath there. And Satan, he was a Sabbath breaker from the beginning anyways. And he was jigging and happy praising 
praising himself for what had happened. Death had taken the savior of the world. Death has taken the Messiah. There is no salvation to mankind. He thought that he was going to be the ruler of this world and for eternity. You see, Satan's aim was actually to gain access to heaven. He wanted to go and grab the robe of the father and pull him down from his throne. That's what Satan wanted to do. And Satan thought that with the death of Jesus Christ now, I've got him. I got the son, and now the Holy Spirit can't hold me back. I'm going to the Father, and I'm going to take him out. Remember, Satan, this was the battle that as we're going to see in heaven. And he thought that this was it. But as Satan was celebrating... And the Sabbath, the sun set in the distant west. And the Sabbath now is ended. And Sunday morning came. Early Sunday morning. Early Sunday morning, there was a council called in heaven. And this council that was called in heaven by the Father, he called all his angels together. And he says, listen, I need somebody. I need a witness. You see, my son is about to wake up. And I need a witness. You know, no ordinary angel to, could come and wake Jesus up. But I need a witness. And so he was looking for the fastest angel that, that had the fastest flapping wings, right? And, and, and so the father looked around and he saw the, the, the two-winged angels, the four-winged angels, and the six-winged angels. And he asked them a question, who can go and represent, who can go and, and just observe? I need to have a witness down there. And, and so as Jesus was, as the father was asking, who will go? One angel says, listen, I could clock down there in about 15 minutes. <laughs> I love this, right? I could get down there in about 15 minutes and, you know, I could, you know, I was represent. But then uh, the, the other angel looked over uh, at the father and says, hey, you know, I could get there in 10 minutes. That was a four-winged angel, right? <laughs> and, and one of those angels, perhaps, that Ezekiel saw in, in Ezekiel, in I uh, sorry Isaiah chapter six that Isaiah saw, uh, one of those six-winged angels, as the father looked at that angel, that angel was not there. For one second he was there, but the split second he was gone. He was on his way to this earth, and that angel came down. He broke through the ozone layer. Uh, there was a sonic boom. That angel came down to the very spot where Jesus was. He was just about to get up. And as he got up, that angel came and rolled the stone away. And his maker and his king emerged from the tomb. Uh, when the devil 
And all these angels heard that rumbling, that earthquake. They were wondering what's happening. Uh, the Roman guards that was around the tomb, they could not contain it. Uh, there was a rumbling, there was an earthquake, and that angel came down and touched the earth and so forth. An earthquake occurred, and immediately our maker and our master emerged. Satan thought that he could hold him, but he can't hold him. Death, death thought it could hold him, can't hold him. Can't hold back our maker. You see, the, the giver of life, the sustainer of life, you know, he can't be held down. He cannot be held down. And some of us in this place, we are battered, we're bruised, and we feel that somehow there is no hope. I am telling you, there is hope today. Amen? There is hope in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so as we think of all that Jesus had gone through, and John is showing this, the battle that took place, this dragon attacking the woman, the woman, she is fleeing to, fleeing to the wilderness. The dragon thinks that he has control. He has control. What control does he have? And we see here, this woman was preserved for a purpose, and the book of Revelation chapter 12 verse 7 opens up with this. And it says, there was war in heaven. There was war. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon and the dragon and his angels. Now let me ask you something. Do you know who Michael is? Just do a word study in the word of God, right? And notice that any time Michael shows up, it's a serious battle. Because when Michael shows up, he is suited up. He's not in a priestly robe. <laughs> he is not coming to play. When Michael shows up, he is showing up to give a whooping up on the enemy. Right? And that is Satan. And so Michael shows up. He is cladded and he is armored. He is buffed and ready to go. And Michael always wins. Every time. He is always victorious. Amen? And so we see that Michael shows up now. And Michael, he is not alone. He has his angels. Right? And about two-thirds of these angels are with Michael. And these angels, let me tell you, one angel is dangerous. We understand the Old Testament. One angel stood up and 185,000 armed men perished. One angel. And so Michael is with his angel. And this battle is taking place in heaven. It started in heaven. It started in heaven. And it's going to end on earth. I want you to understand. We're going to touch that principle afterwards. And so we see Michael and his angel fought with the dragon, and the dragon fought with his angels. How dare the dragon even think of fighting with Michael? Michael, he is the creator. Michael, he is the one and only one, the word of God. Amen? And so it says, the dragon, he prevailed not, neither was there found any, found any place in heaven for him. 
Michael, he lost his position. I want you to understand that Michael, not, not Michael, sorry, the dragon. The dragon lost his position. I want you to understand with me that the dragon, which is Satan, he was in heaven. And he was right in the presence of God. He was a covering cherub. He stood before the ark. And he saw, even, he was in the presence of God. He saw the very characteristics of God, all of that. And jealousy came in to his heart. And it says that Michael booted Satan and his angels out of heaven. They were thrown down, cast down to this earth and the great dragon was cast out the old serpent called the devil and Satan which deceiveth the whole world he was cast out into the earth and his angels was cast out with him some people ask the question you know why was he cast out to this earth why was it another planet right well, let me tell you, it had to be this earth because God created man in a unique way. If you look back in Genesis, God created man to reflect his character. We are the only being that's the rational being that could think we have the thought, we have the words, and the action. We reflect who God is, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so we, Satan had to come down here. And if you read it too, this battle that took place in heaven was over the creation of man. Satan was not privy to how man was made. He didn't have that recipe. You see, he was in the presence of God, but God did not show him everything, right? And Satan was angry. And so we see here this, uh, this dragon he, Satan made a dragon out of himself. Let's put it that way, right? And, and so we see now he comes to this earth and he is seeking to deceive this world. He is a fallen creature. Let me tell you though, Satan will not appear to you in this form. If Satan is going to appear to you to deceive you as we're going to see, right? He's going to come in a suit, right? Suit and tie, nice cut, right? He is going to be polished. If, if it's a suit don't appeal to you, he's going to come in a track suit, right? And he's going to have his, his Nikes and all of that. He's going to have all the bling to attract you. Let me tell you, Satan, he is a deceiver and he will materialize himself in any form to deceive us. He is a deceiver. That's what the scripture says, right? Amen. And so we see very clearly here now, this fallen creature, he was this one that wanted to be so great. The book of Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12 we see that it says how art thou fallen from heaven O Lucifer son of the morning how art thou cast down to the ground which did weaken the nations think of this Isaiah chapter 13 it says for thou hast said in thine heart I will ascend 
into the heaven, into heaven. And I will exalt my throne above the stars of heaven, of stars of God. And I will sit also on the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds and I will be like the most high. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be God. And the worst thing that I'm telling you, as we talked about last night, he has put this mind in us too that we are trying to be God ourselves. And that's how he deceives. Think of Eve. He deceived Eve to say, hey, Eve, you know something? God doesn't want you to eat of this tree because he knows if you take of it and eat of this mango tree, right? It had to be a mango tree, right? Right? Can't be an apple tree, right? <laughs> if you eat of this, you, when the juice goes into your mouth and nourishes your body, your eyes will be opened up and you will be like God. And when Eve saw that it was good to eat of it, she took. Satan deceives us in the best way that he could. Your temptation, sister, will not be my temptation. Your temptation will not be hers or his. Satan, he specializes in marketing. One of the things that I learned in marketing, right, in order for you to market a product, you must have some peas together, right? You must have, you must first of all identify the people. Is that right? Uh, you must also uh, know, uh, have a right position. Got to be positioned, right? All right? Uh, you must have the right packaging. It has to be packaged right. You must have the right price. Come on, everybody, right? You have to have the, the right, these peas, right? You got to have them all set up in, in, a, in a nice way. And that's what Satan does. He packages us. And he, your package is not the same as mine, right? And so everyone, you have a package deal, right? And, you, and the price is right. And so we said, wow, this is great. I told the, the young people of this, um, this time, we went to New York a few years ago, and uh, this was a time when Beta, Beta was fighting against VHS. Do you guys remember that? Right? And I prefer Betas, right? Because they were nice, small, neat package. But guess who won out? VHS. And so we were there. My father had... He had, he had bought this brand new Taurus and, you know, um, you know Ford Fixer Repair Daily, right? And, and so we, we drove from Montreal to New York. And so we were sitting down in the car there in Manhattan. The ladies were shopping and my father was a little frustrated and all of that and waiting for, you know. And we were sitting there. And uh, right out comes out of nowhere, this guy, a sneaky looking guy, comes out with a brand new VCR box. And he's looking two side and everything, and my father loved deals, right? And he's like, he says, yo, 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 you know, a hundred bucks, right? 
Now, one of those things, back then, it was like $600, right? And my father, $100, my father's rumbling through his stuff, get his money together, and gives him $100. The guy pushes the box in the car, and my father is like a little kid now. He's like opening the box, and what does he see? Nothing but rocks. <laughs> Nothing but rocks. He was mad. My father was beside him. He was mad. What? And do you think he could catch the guy? The guy had turned the corner and dusted with his hundred dollars. U.S. dollars. <laughs> now, Satan deceives us in similar ways. He gives us all of that. He is a deceiver from the beginning. And I want you all to understand this, right? When we look at what Satan is doing, he is thrown down here and all of that, and his aim is to deceive the whole world, right? He's tried to do this. Now, in Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, and I heard a voice, a loud voice from heaven saying, now is come salvation and strength in the kingdom of God and the power of Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before what? God, day and night. He is bringing your name up. And he said, that one sitting in abundant life, they don't deserve to be there. You know what they did this week? Look at what they did. I have my record. I know you have yours too. That person don't deserve to be here. That's a sinner there. That person, they're going to be with me, right? Ah, and that's what Satan, he's accusing day and night. He is watching. He's checking out. Yes, three o'clock. What you were doing, three o'clock? Yes. Sabbath night this morning? Yep, Satan knows. Yep. And he's bringing it before God, right? But thank God you're in church today. Thank God. It is my prayer that you're in church today and whatever you've done this morning or last night that you won't do it again, right? But that you will accept the forgiveness of God, amen? All right. Now, Brother uh, Gary, um, Pastor Gary brought me down to uh, First Friday last... He's holding down his head, right? He brought me down to First Friday and he says... Uh, you, know, you want to know where your young people are? <laughs> he said, come with me. So right after, the, after we finished the meeting, last Friday night, we went down looking sermon illustration, right? Went down to this place, and the first thing that grabbed me was the reggae beat. And I mean, the beat was so sweet. I was moving closer to it. Close. I said, wait, hold on. It is Sabbath. I'm here for a purpose. <laughs> and we ministers we were walking with, and I was shocked to see how many young people right now I didn't I have to confess I didn't see any of our young people or any of our gray haired young people unless they saw us and they were <laughs> running right we don't know right but it was an interesting experience and I said you know something this is where the church needs to be. And I'm saying the strong members of the church, this is where the church needs to be. This is where we need to lay, get a tent and preach the word on a Sabbath night, right? 
Friday night, we need to preach the word of God. I'm saying serious. We need, this is where the sinners congregate. We need to be there. But I'm saying only strong people. I know some young people, hey, you know the pastor says that we are permitted to go and first right. No, I'm not saying that. Hmm. I'm not saying that. And I'm saying that loud and clear. I'm saying that we need to get out of these walls. Satan is attacking. He is fighting. And we got to poke the devil in his eye. But we can only do that when we are clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Amen? And, and so when we consider all of this now, we are overcomers. I like that Christian song, Overcomer. I can't sing it. But the word of God, by the word of God, and by the testimony, and they love not their lives till the death. It tells us, therefore rejoice, O ye heavens, and ye that dwell in the earth. Woe unto the inhabitants of the earth, and of the, and of the seal, of the, for the, uh, and of the sea. For the devil is come down ha unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he has a short time. Satan knows there is a time limit on his reign. It's going to come to an end. But do you know that? Or are we wrapped up in it? Are we wrapped up? The Bible tells us in verse 13, and when the dragon saw that he was cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man. I want you to understand the acts of the devil. He's persecuting. He is killing people mercilessly. He is killing people in the dark ages. People were thrown to the lions. They were eaten alive. We talked about that earlier. Uh, but Satan has changed up his strategy right now. We're in the modern days right now, and we have massacres. People coming to church with guns. A man was gunned down. A pastor was gunned down just last week. He was preaching the word of God. He was gunned down. And apparently there was something happening too. Apparently the pastor touched the man's wife. And the man got offended and he came to church with a gun and shot the man down. Now, I don't want that to happen with me. I'm not touching any man's wife, right? <laughs> right. I want you to know, right? I don't condone it. I don't condone it. But Satan is trying to cancel even in church. The battle is going on. I know that we are not all saints in this place. Things are happening even in the house of God. And if it is happening with you in your house and you are one of the guilty culprit, stop it. Or you're going to end up where Satan is going to end up in, in the book of Revelation. We see here student massacre, right? Over and over. I remember just a few years ago, I was almost involved in a massacre in Montreal. I was a delivery man working as a student coming in, and there was a gunfire up in, in that area, University of Montreal. Many, many, many students died, I think 13. But this is happening right across the globe. 
Satan is taking over the minds of our young, our kids. Kids who will kill. And the majority of these ones, they check them out. They are killing and they said, you know, we were playing a video game and whatever. And all of a sudden we had this urge to kill. So they go and get their parents, guns and stuff and they start killing. All kind of things. And Satan is just taking over. By the age of 16, 200,000 acts of violence. By age of 18, 50,000 murders, attempt murders. This is young people. This is young people, everyone. Satan is taking over the minds. He has changed up his strategy. Amen? He has changed it up, and we need to be vigilant. Disputes once settled with fish, taking out the gun. That's the fight right now. They're bringing it out there, right? Every hundred hours, more than um, more youth die in the streets were killed with what? Than, than in the Persian Gulf, right? Persian War, Gulf Wars. And so we're seeing all of this, these reports coming out, right? Infidelity, yes, is happening inside and outside the church. Church takes stock. We have this porn industry, and it's, it's the epicenter is in Vegas, you know, I'm saying, right? We have all of this taking place, adult entertainment making millions on the web, right? Will Wall Street buy it, <laughs> buy into it? Think of it, right? Cyber porn, all of that. It's the devil is taking over in any way, but there's another way too, the pride of life. And it's in us. What I'm telling you, Satan is attacking in all different fronts. All fronts. All fronts. All fronts. And that's sad. Are we closing our ears and our eyes to all of this? We can't. As Christians, we must pray these things down. We must realize that Satan is down here to battle and to take over your mind. Now, even in Christianity, it's being played out. I wouldn't admonish you to read this novel or watch the movies, but all kind of false theories and coming into the church. Christ is about to come, everybody. And as he's come, he wants to come in the midst of all the confusion and, and, and make a difference. We should not close our eyes and our ears to these things. This week, we will be talking about some of these things. And there is a, a movement that is taking place in this world. Perhaps you have heard about it, but it's even greater now. We're going to be talking about some of these things in different ways that Satan is using great preachers to manipulate the people of God. And so we need to stand by the word of God and by the testimony of God. We are told in Revelation chapter 14, as I'm going to wrap up now, and to the woman was given two wings, two wings of, great, of a great eagle that she may fly in the wilderness in her place where she is nourished for times 
times and half of times. Basically the same period of 120, uh, 1,260 days. From the face of the serpent, the woman, she is running away but securing herself and the truth. Now understand, the serpent was cast, he cast out of his mouth water as a great flood after the woman that she might cause that that he might cause her to be carried away with the flood now this text we're going to be expanding on it a little uh, later on but i want you to understand when we see the water the serpent you see it's always talking about going back and forth the serpent the dragon and so out of the mouth of the serpent the deceiver this a flood like water Water is symbolized as people, great multitude of people. And so Satan sometimes try to confuse you with all the crowd and all the confusion that is happening, right? He sends it out that you will be carried away with it, right? Uh, but God, he's always made a provision. Even though the water comes, the Lord will open up the earth to take the water that the truth shall carry forth. In verse 16, the earth helped the woman and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon cast out of his mouth. You notice the serpent sent it out, but it says the dragon, the dragon and the serpent are one. We see it rooted in, the, in Genesis chapter 3. And so the water is to flood out the woman and to flood out the truth but it will not happen. And the woman was, the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with what? The remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and has the testimony of Jesus. Now, let me tell you, this is a prophetic scripture here. The dragon, he is wroth with who? The woman, who is the true church, who keeps what? The commandments of God. What are the commandments of God? Found in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus chapter 20, the Lord tells us that we shall have no other gods before him. No other gods, right? That we should not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. We should not bow down ourselves to any other god. That we should remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days shalt thou labor and do all thy work. We are told all of that. We, should, we are told that we should honor our mothers and our fathers, that we should not kill or murder, that we should not steal, we should not commit adultery, we should not bear false witness against thy neighbor, or we should not covet. We're told all of these things. And these are God's eternal characters. The last day church will stand on the commandments of God. Amen? There is no kind of manipulation with it. The commandments of God are forever. They will last forever. We see them right throughout the ceaseless ages of eternity. And we will have also the testimony of Jesus Christ, which is, as we learn in Revelation chapter 19:10, the spirit of prophecy. Now, let's not confuse the spirit of prophecy, Seventh-day Adventists. We often make a mistake and say the spirit of prophecy is Ellen G. White. Ellen G. White constitutes the spirit of prophecy. He's a part of it, right? But we have the prophetic gift to understand prophecies, amen? And so God has given us this. The, the, we have to go back to the standards and man has been trying to trample God's laws underfoot. But God's laws remain strong, everybody. 
I want you to know there is a battle that is taking place. And this battle that is taking place right now, it is taking place in every one of our hearts and our minds. And we have to say enough is enough. Let's get back to the standards of God. Let's not trample his laws underfoot. The Lord, he is calling us out of confusion. He doesn't want us to be wrapped up in it. As we prepare for this evening, we're going to be talking about the awesome prophecies relating to Revelation chapter 13. We're going to see two awesome beasts. And these beast powers, they're out to control your life. Even, in fact, they're controlling systems right now. There is the sea beast and the land beast. Who are they? Could it be that we are living in one? We are going to be focusing on that and looking at some of the, the, the new inventive ways that they are trying to captivate and take over this world. The Lord is calling us to remember his standard. Remember the, the way. He is pointing us in the direction of God. Christ, he is appealing to each and every one of us, Brother Zeba, nice to have you in the house. Christ, he's calling each and every one of us back to his standard. Back to his standard. And if Christ calls, who are we to say no? There's a consequence if you do say no. And the consequence, you read the book of Revelation chapter 20 and you'll understand what the consequence is. Christ is calling us. And as he calls us, he's calling us into a closer relationship, a fellowship with him. It is very important for us to realize that as he calls, we must respond. Because this is what life is about. And Christ wants to give us life and life more abundantly. Amen? Amen? As you have heard the word of God today, the invitation is there for each and every one of us. I know, yes, it's spectacular. It's wow. But Christ is calling you. He's calling us into a brand new experience. You came to church today, perhaps broken, confused Christ is calling you he's calling you into a brand new experience it does not matter where you have been what you have done we have a gracious loving Lord amen and he wants us to surrender our lives and our all my appeal to you is very simple and I want to appeal to you, young man, young woman, gray-haired teenagers. I want to invite you. The Lord is calling you into fellowship today. As you have heard the word of God, I want to invite you to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to surrender your life. He 
take you up to surrender your life fully over to Christ. He wants to come into your life. Jesus and if this is your desire, I'm asking you to join me here. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. God is calling you. I know that we're living in a confused world. But Christ wants to work out that confusion and to put us on a pathway that will lead to glory. My appeal to you is to come. Jesus Christ is calling. Will you not respond to Christ today? And just say, Lord, I surrender. I surrender all to you. As you have heard the word of God preached, as we see it unfold in the book of Revelation chapter 12, you want to say, Lord, I want to give you a try. I want to give you a try. Church today, you have heard it for everyone. You have seen all that's unfolding in the world today. Now if you're a liar, and you want to say, Lord, I want to recommit my life to you. I want to recovenant my life to you. If this is your desire, I'm asking you to stand with me. Those of you that's online or that's listening to the word and you want to send a little note, feel free. We will pray for you. We will pray with you. We want to recommit, recovenant our life to Christ. Amen. The Lord is calling you. Uh, there is one, perhaps two, three individuals that say, well, I want to surrender my life to Christ. Uh, we are preparing a baptism after this series and you want to be in that baptism. You want to say, Lord, I'm not going to follow this world anymore. I'm not going to follow this false system anymore. I'm stepping out. I'm stepping out. I'm making a change. I'm making a change. If this is your desire, I want you to come forward and say, declare Christ today. Declare that Christ is my Lord and Savior. And I'm going to be baptized. I am going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Amen. I invite you to come. We want to pray with you. We want to pray for you. We want to pray for God's anointing upon your life. Come forward. The Lord is calling you. You want to declare to this world. Amen. The Lord is calling I know there's a great movement. Praise God. Praise God. You're saying enough is enough. Bye-bye to this confusion, the confusion of this world. Lord, I just want it. I want you to take over. Will you not come to Christ today? Will you not surrender to life, Christ today? I encourage you to come. The Lord is calling you. Praise God.
He is calling you. Amen. Praise the Lord. 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 He is calling you. The Lord is calling you. He's calling you. I tarry a little longer because someone is standing in that lukewarm position. It feels nice and comfortable. But the Lord tells us that you will be spat out. You will be spewed out of his mouth. Will you not surrender your life to Christ today? Church, I'm asking you to pray. There's a battle that is taking place in here right now. And this is all about coming to Christ. Don't care about the image if it looks like a white man. Don't worry about that. There's no color when it comes to Christ. Amen. Come to Christ. Surrender. Give it all up. Step out. Jesus saves. Step out. Hallelujah. Blessing. Blessing. Jesus saves. Christ is calling you. Hallelujah. Will you not come? Jesus this may be your last call. The last time that you have to respond. Jesus Come to Christ today. Christ, Hallelujah. he's calling you. Amen. Jesus Come to him. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Jesus even even a child shall lead them. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. He can deliver you. As we prepare ourselves to pray, I want you to touch somebody, touch someone near you. Perhaps the person that you are touching needs to be up here. All you have to do is wiggle away and come up and join us up here. The Lord, he wants to bring a change in your life. Amen. Give it up to God. As we pray today. We pray for God's anointing up on our lives. Lord, I ask that you will please help us to know that we can't make it. There is nothing in us, Lord, that we can have to wing ourselves to the kingdom of glory. We need you. And Lord, we just ask that you will please bless each and every one of us standing here, those of us within this place. Even those, Lord, that did not have even the strength to stand up, to come up. Lord, I pray that you'll be with them. Lord, this is your time. And I know, Father, that you want to bring conviction upon our hearts. You want to bring renewal, restoration in our lives, Lord. And some, we are struggling with all kind of different impediments, drugs and alcohol and, and all kind of sins of the flesh, Lord. Whatever it is, Lord, I pray for deliverance. Uh, deliverance right now, Father. I pray that you will please move in this place and help us to know that you have called us, Lord, out of darkness into your marvelous light. 
you have given us Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ that would help us and lead us, Lord, unto salvation. Bless us, Lord. Forgive us of all our sins. Cleanse us of all unrighteousness, Lord. When all is said and done, Lord, we just want to see you. Uh, we want to see you, the glorious one. So, Lord, we just ask that you please bless us. Mend our broken hearts. And restore us. Restore your people once again, Lord. With the mighty rushing wind blow upon our lives and take control. We thank you. We praise you, Father. We know heaven rejoices over these precious souls that surrendered to you today. And we thank you and we praise you for we ask these things in the mighty and the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 May God bless you. Blessings, 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 blessings. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. As we conclude uh, this afternoon, we have fellowship lunch next door. Feel free to come and join us. And right after uh, this afternoon, we will be hearing uh, America in Prophecy. And I encourage you to come, get your questions answered and so forth, 5 o'clock. And we thank you. May God bless you and keep you and make his face shine up on you and give you peace. At this time, we will have our benediction. Please stand, please. How many here are being blessed? God is in control. You know, the more we know God, we know more the enemy. And we show more in control because God is in control. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father, for the opportunity you give us another Sabbath today. Father, bring us at home safely. But the same way, Father, bring us back this afternoon to the Holy to your to the church. Thank you for your love. Thank you for because you are merciful, Father. Thank you, Father, for all you bless. In Jesus' name we pray. We pray. Amen.